how do you experience the peace that God wants for his children? And how can you be joyful in the midst of trials and uncertainty? How can you be gentle when the world seems chaotic? Welcome to the Radical with David Platt podcast, the latest sermons from teacher, author, and pastor David Platt delivered weekly. As always, you can find thousands of more gospel-centered, nations-minded resources at Radical.net. But in today's message from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we learn that experiencing peace and joy and other godly virtues requires us to engage in a battle, a battle for our minds. In today's message, David Platt points us to the words of the Apostle Paul, who tells us to set our minds on what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. For our faith to persevere and flourish, particularly in the midst of trials, we must intentionally think on these things. Here's David Platt with a sermon titled, The Battle Between Our Ears, out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does, you can look on with. Let me invite you to open with me to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, I am loving walking through this text and just the way it speaks to us right where we are. So uh, a few weeks ago, God spoke to us in such a timely way, addressing agreement and unity in the Lord in a moment where we needed to hear that word. And then these last two weeks, as Mike has led us to hear how God calls us to a life of unexplainable gentleness, perpetual joy, peace that passes all understanding. Like, don't we all need these things? Particularly as a pandemic around us rages on as our country is embroiled in so much conflict as struggles pile up in our lives and our families to hear God saying to us in his word I want you to so just hear this like wherever you're sitting whether in this room or in your home like God saying to you in his word I want you to have joy and experience gentleness and peace that passes all understanding. So today, God is going to speak to us about how to experience these things. And what do we do in order to step into the joy and gentleness and peace he's designed for us? So Philippians chapter four, let's say it out loud together. We're gonna read the first eight verses right now. It'll be up here on the screen. Many of you have taken this challenge to memorize the chapter of Philippians chapter four this summer. So if that's the case, try to say this with your eyes closed. If not, just read along out loud wherever you are uh, in Philippians chapter four. So here we go, Philippians 4.1 through Philippians 4.8. Let's say it out loud together. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, 
there is anything that is worthy of praise, think about these things. Oh. So we have this call, this really command from God to rejoice always, like in any circumstance. Remember, Paul is writing these words from prison where he's confined to a cell because he was proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God's love in Jesus. And he says, rejoice always. So this is not like a flippant, happy-go-lucky approach to life that never experiences suffering and pain. This is a kind of life that experiences joy in the middle of suffering and pain. And just in case we didn't catch it the first time, he says it again, I say rejoice. One more time. Then he says, let your reasonableness, so, or gentleness, as Mike showed us a couple of weeks ago, be known to everyone. So there's a way to be gentle even in the face of injustice that Paul is experiencing. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And here it is, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, what a great phrase, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like, who doesn't want that? Like, peace, calm, quiet, stillness, serenity that surpasses all understanding in a world that is constantly spinning. So how do we get that? And that leads to verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So let's make the connection here. And this is the main truth God is showing us today. It is a totally life-transforming truth. I would encourage you to write it down if you are able to. So here it is, this truth, the battle for joy, gentleness, and peace in your life begins in your mind. So the battle, I'm using battle language here because let's be honest with each other, like joy, gentleness, and peace don't come naturally or easily. Like, you know what comes naturally or easily? Not joy, but despair distress, discouragement, right? Like when we're going through hard times, when the diagnosis isn't good, when the circumstances are getting worse, not better, when the pandemic is not showing signs of abating, joy isn't natural. Despair is. Distress, discouragement. Or when we're going through stressful times and we're on edge, a gentleness is not natural. No, we snap, snap at our kids, we snap at our spouses, we're insensitive, we speak without thinking through what we're saying, we're prone to be harsh or unkind, not gentle. And when we're walking through the middle of all kinds of unknowns, like peace is not natural, instead worry is, anxiety is. We talked about this the very first Sunday of this pandemic. So this is the first Sunday when we gather together online. We looked at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter six. He says three times, do not be anxious. And we talked about how we're all prone to worry in different ways. We worry about our families, whether or not we will get married, stay married, have kids, how those kids will turn out. We worry about finances, we worry about the future, and this is normal life, then you add on a pandemic, we have anxieties right now, what is school gonna look like? What is work gonna look like? What is our economy going to do? You put all this together and joy, peace, and gentleness don't come naturally. There's a battle in each of our lives to know and experience, live in the joy and gentleness and peace that God is calling us to. So where does that battle begin? And the answer God is giving us today is the battle begins in your mind. Like the fight for joy, gentleness, and peace takes place between your ears. Look at the command in this verse. What is God telling us to do in order to rejoice and be gentle and experience otherworldly peace? He's telling us, 
think about certain things. Like, think. Stop and think what's going on between your ears. Like, so many times we don't do this. We don't slow down and consider what we're thinking about. And as a result, so much of our thought life becomes filled with unhelpful things. And it's no wonder we're unhappy or we're on edge or we're down or struggling in different ways. Because, so here's another truth to write down, and this truth, again, I would, I would say, like these truths we're looking at are totally life transforming. And I wanna show you in God's word why that's not an overstatement. So here's this truth. So we just talked about how the battle for joy, gentleness, and peace in your life begins in your mind. Think about these things. Why is that so important? Because what you think determines how you live. Like what you think, what happens in between your ears determines what happens in your life. That's a bold statement. Let me back it up straight from Scripture. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, talking about a man says, as he thinks within himself, so is he. As he thinks within himself, so is he. Now that verse is actually translated in different ways in different translations. There's some debate about exactly all that it means. We won't dive into that in depth now, but let's just not stop there in scripture. So let's just ask across the Bible the question, how important are our thoughts to our lives? Well, Jesus said, greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? With all your mind. So love God with the way you think. Then listen to these commands. Do not be conformed, Romans 12, 2 says to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians chapter four, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Colossians chapter three, verse two, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, take every thought captive to obey Christ. See the relationship between thinking and acting. Your thought captive to obey Christ, which makes sense. Look at Romans chapter eight, verse five through six. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Do you see it? How do you get life and how do you get peace? You set your mind on the spirit. Like it's what's happening in your mind that leads to life and peace. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, we have the mind of Christ, which is a major theme in this book of Philippians that we're walking through chapter 4 of. Remember what we've already seen from earlier in Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one Mind. This is what we talked about a few weeks ago, talking about unity. One mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now that begs the question, well, whose mind do we have? The very next chapter says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord of one mind, which mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, and humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of, other, of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Like that's the mind that we're called to live with, the mind of Christ. Which is why in chapter three, he's talking about people who have not trusted in Christ, who reject the mind of Christ. He says their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory, they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. And then what we read just a minute ago in verse seven of Philippians chapter four, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, let me show you two other examples of this in scripture that are 
really important and I, I hope will connect some dots for all of us, connecting how the way we think determines how we live. So the first is Genesis chapter three. So this is the story of how sin, disobedience to God, first entered the world. And Genesis chapter three, verse one says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Did you hear that? Like, where did sin first start in the world? It wasn't when they ate a piece of fruit. No, this started way back when the woman, after hearing the adversary say, you won't die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, and there's a ton we could talk about there, but you will be the determiner of who is, what is good and what is evil. Like, it's up to you, not up to God. So the woman thinks about that, says, yeah, it does look good for food. It is appealing to me. It's to be desired to make me wise. So then she took of its fruit and ate. Like, do you see? Like, sin started in their minds and their actions followed. Don't miss this. Like, sin always starts in our minds. We think our way is better than God's way. We think our thoughts are wiser than God's thoughts. That's where sin begins. Or maybe, maybe we fail to even think about what God's way even is. And we act. So either we act without thinking about God's way or we act in deliberate disobedience to God's way. Either way, sin starts in our minds. What we think determines how we live. Which is why, so here's the other example. I mentioned Matthew 6 earlier when Jesus tells us not to be anxious. What is Jesus' remedy for anxiety? Listen to it, Matthew chapter six, verse 25 and 26. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Do you hear that? How do you not be anxious. Jesus says, here's how. Look at the birds. Think about the birds. Like faith here is thinking. Faith is stopping to think, wait a minute. Like God provides for birds. And I'm more valuable than birds. So God will provide for me. Which means I don't have to worry. Don't miss it. Like according to God, thinking is the antidote to worry in this world. Are you seeing the battle that takes place between our ears? Our mind is a battleground and the adversary wants every single one of our minds to spiral in our thoughts in all kinds of unhealthy ways. Like will I get into this school? What will happen if I don't? What will happen if I do? What will I major in? Will that be the right major? Will it not be the right major? Will I ever get married? Will I ever have kids? How are my kids gonna turn out? Will I get this job? Will I get this disease? Will I be healed of this disease? And these questions aren't even touching on thoughts of loneliness, isolation, abandonment, dejection, rejection. 
thoughts that maybe we aren't good enough or smart enough or successful enough. Thoughts about how we we don't look the way we want to look. We don't have the things we want to have. How we don't act the way we want to act. Thoughts about how we don't measure up as a mom or a dad or a wife or a husband or a child. Thoughts where we begin to assume that everybody else has it all together. We're the only ones who can't get it together. So let me just pause at this point and say we all struggle with unhealthy thoughts. Like I do, you do, we all do. Sometimes people wonder if something is wrong with them because they're thinking so many unhealthy thoughts in our head. The reality is the Bible is instructing us about thinking because we all struggle here. Just put it out on the table. We all have a battle that takes place between our ears. We all have thoughts that can spiral in such unhealthy ways that can lead to despair, discouragement, distress, disappointment, bitterness, unkindness, worry, anxiety can lead us to snap and speak and act and live in ways that we don't want. And the good news is Jesus is saying to us right now in his word, there is a way to stop the spiral. There's a way to halt the unhealth in our minds and our emotions and our lives. There's a way to live in joy and gentleness with peace that passes all understanding that totally transforms the way you live day to day, moment to moment, and the way you love the people around you. So what's the way? The way is to think about certain things. In other words, you And I have a choice, like we have a choice in what we think about. Just like Jesus said, look at the birds, like stop worrying and think differently from the way you're prone to think. Listen to this quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's a famous preacher from the past. He said, Christian faith is essentially thinking. The problem with most people, however, is that they will not think. And he said, faith can be defined like this. Faith is insisting upon thinking when everything seems determined to bludgeon and knock you down. The trouble with the person of little faith is that instead of controlling your own thought, your thought is being controlled by something else and you go round and round in circles. And what God is saying in his word to us today is don't do it, like stop and think. So here's a, here's a third truth, maybe a different way to, to look at this. So don't miss this, maybe write this down. We don't always have a choice in our circumstances, but we do have a choice in our thoughts amidst those circumstances. We don't always have a choice in our circumstances, like many circumstances we do have a choice in, many of them we don't. But even then, we do have a choice in our thoughts amidst those circumstances. Now, I want to clarify one really important thing, even as I say that. Because when I say that, I'm speaking specifically to followers of Jesus. And the reason I want to make that specific clarification is because it is Jesus who makes this truth a reality in our lives. So at this point, I want to pause and say to those of you listening who are not followers of Jesus. So I think about Mr. Jerry, who I met last night and was sharing with. He told me he'd tune in this morning. So Mr. Jerry and others who may not be followers of Jesus, like please listen closely. The Bible teaches that we have all turned from God and his ways to ourselves in our own ways. And in and of ourselves, this is the way the Bible describes our minds. Our minds are hard toward God and his word, 2 Corinthians 3.14, even hostile to God, Romans 8.7, or blinded to the truth of God's love for us, 2 Corinthians 4.4. Our minds are focused on the things and the ways of this world, Romans chapter 8, verse 5, to the point where we are actually enslaved to the ways of this world, like controlled in a sense by the ways of this world, Ephesians chapter two. 
And ultimately, the Bible teaches that if we die in this state, we will spend eternity experiencing God's just judgment due our sin. But the good news of the Bible is that God loves us. That's what I was sharing with Jerry last night. God loves you. Regardless of who you are, where you're sitting right now, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to pay the price for all of your sin against God. Jesus died on the cross to experience the just judgment of God for your sin and my sin so that when we place our faith in Jesus, when we turn from our sin and ourselves and we trust in Jesus and God's love for us, God not only forgives us of our sin as if that's not enough, God forgives us of our sin and then he gives us a new heart, a new mind where we have supernatural power from his spirit to think in a way that is totally different from the way this world thinks. So this, by the way, is why the self-help power of positive thinking that people in this world promote is ultimately futile, and it's definitely not what we're talking about here. So self-help power of positive thinking basically says you can be a better version of yourself through just thinking positive thoughts about yourself and your circumstances, but that's not what the Bible calls us to. The Bible doesn't call us to a better version of you. The Bible calls us to an entirely new you. We read this in our Bible reading this last week, Mark chapter eight, verse 34. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So the Bible calls us to die to ourselves, like picking up a cross, experience an entirely new life in Jesus, following him, where we now have not a better version of our minds, but we now have the mind of Christ, like a totally different mind. And his mind, his life that flows from his mind are available to all who trust in him, to all who trust in Jesus. So Mr. Jerry and anybody else, I urge you today, put your trust in Jesus, in God's love for you. Let him totally transform your life from the inside out for all of eternity. And let that affect the way you live then every single day. So bring this home then for all who have the mind of Christ. We are no longer a slave to the ways of thought in this world. We are not subject to, enslaved to worldly ways of thinking. Like earlier I mentioned 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let me remind you the context of that verse. Look at verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Do you hear what this is saying? In this battle between our ears, all who are in Christ have spiritual weapons with supernatural power to destroy strongholds of thought and arguments and opinions Destructive patterns of thinking that go against God's word. Like Christian, you are not subject to them. You have power over them. To all who are in Christ, you have God-given, Christ-bought, spirit-empowered freedom to choose what you think in ways that bring total transformation in your life. In any and every circumstance. Huh. It's so good to have people in the room like, clapping when something gets good. So uh, I've just kind of assumed maybe somebody on the other side of the screen is at least clapping in their hearts at some points, but it's just good to hear it. So here's the, just, like, just let this soak in wherever you are. Like when you begin to think, so Christian, those who are in Christ, you have the mind of Christ, the power of the spirit of Christ. When you begin to think or spiral downward into anxious thoughts, you have, by God's grace, power and a choice to stop and trust God and his love for you and his good, sovereign purposes for your life. And you have a choice to stop and just think, Romans 8, 28. I know God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose.
It transforms the way you think. When you begin to think or spiral downward into loneliness, you have a choice to stop and shift your mind to the fellowship you have in Christ and in his body. When you begin to think or spiral downward into discouragement or despair, like you have a choice to stop and shift your mind to hope and faith. When you begin to think or spiral downward into pride, including concern, preoccupation with what others think about you, how you look or are perceived, whether that drives you into despair or drives you into unhealthy like pride in who you are. Like you have a choice to shift your mind to humility, preoccupation with what God thinks about you, the God who approves you as his child, so you are free from thinking about what others think about you. Stop thinking about what others think about you. Think about what God says about you. Think about what God says about everything. Don't just think about what the doctor or the news, or the pundits are saying about the future. Think about what God says about the future. We don't always have a choice in our circumstances. We always have a choice, though, in our thoughts amidst those circumstances. And God is calling us today, right now, to think, like, think about. Like, we're just talking about two words, like, for the last however many minutes. Think, think, think about certain things. We're going to get to those things in just a second. But God is calling us to think. The word that he uses here, I'm going to totally try to, well, I'm not really trying to. It would make no sense to try to impress you in light of everything I just said. But if you would be impressed by Greek, this is the word for, in the Greek, for think about these things. So the reason I write it down, the reason I write it down is because the, a word that we get from this word is logarithm. So there's that the mathematics, so think complex mathematical equation problem. So the kind of uh, thing that, you, that requires prolonged contemplation and thinking about, that's the kind of thinking God is calling us to here, to, to prolonged thinking on certain things like fixate your oh sorry like fixate your mind on certain things like we all know what it's like to fixate our minds on something how many of you know somebody who gets on a health kick or starts fixating their minds or you've done this on certain ways of eating or exercising and that's all they think about and all they talk about you can fixate your mind on a certain person right such that you cannot get them out of, your mind, uh, out of your mind. You can fixate your mind on work, such that you can't put your phone or your email down. You just can't get it out of your mind. You can fixate your mind on a game in a way that you can't stop thinking about it. You can fixate your mind on news. Like you're constantly looking for the latest updates. And when you have a, a free moment, you pull out the phone just to see what, what, what have I missed. You can fixate your mind on social media in the same way. Like constantly looking, what's the latest post or latest video? You can pass like scores of time without even realizing it. Just give so much attention to it, you don't even realize you're ignoring really important things around you, really important people around you. All kinds of things in this world that we're prone to fixate our minds on. In the middle of it all, God is saying, fixate your mind on these things like consume yourself with them over and above everything else and whatever you eat however you exercise whoever you think about in your work and your play in the news social media and all of it fixate your mind on these things and the list the bible gives us is pretty comprehensive Do you notice he uses whatever six times one two three four five six and then he says, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. So think about, ponder, consider, fixate your minds on whatever is, and we'll just circle these right here, whatever is true. So we could start a whole other sermon with each of these. We won't, but suffice to say, 
that if the battle for joy, gentleness, and peace in your life begins in your mind, then that battle begins with believing what is true. You will not have joy, gentleness, and peace in your life if you start with believing what is false about God. Just ask Adam and Eve. Sin entered the world and destroyed their lives when they believed what was not true about God. And you will not experience joy, gentleness, and peace in your life if you don't believe what is true about you. Like fixate your mind on what God says about you. Not on what others think about you. Not on what you think others think about you. Fixate your mind on the truth of what God says about you. So much worry, anxiety, despair, distress is grounded in lies about who God is, lies about who we are, lies about other people around us, lies that fill the world around us. God is telling us right now, like, fixate your mind on truth. This is why reading and meditating on God's word every day is vital. Because every day, every one of us is bombarded with millions of messages. And if God's word is not guiding our thoughts, we will inevitably be conformed to the pattern of this world. Inevitably. It is impossible to be transformed by the renewing of our minds if we're not fixating our minds on truth from God's word. And truth in this world. Like, we're not going to get into a discussion of fake news, but we all know it's a reality on news, social media, whether it's articles we read or posts we see that seem to picture people in the world in this way or that way, either negatively or positively in ways that are often not true. So just stop and ask, like, is this true? And ask that question through the filter of truth revealed in God's word. So much destruction happens between our ears by us believing that which is not true. And just ask the question, does this, does this thought come from God or not? Like that, just asking that, stopping and asking that question will be transformative in our lives. When we begin to replace lies in our minds with truth from God and his word, we'll begin to experience joy, gentleness, and peace that God's designed for us in this world. Fixate your minds on whatever's true, whatever is honorable. Oh, that's a great word. Some, some other translations say noble or dignified. The picture is basically think on a higher plane, like thoughts that are worthy of respect and honor and awe. Like so much of what we're prone to fixate our minds on in this world is on a lower plane. It's just frivolous and meaningless and sometimes even dirty and vulgar. God says, lift your minds. Don't live down there in your minds. Lift your minds to higher thoughts, to that which evokes awe and dignity, to things that really matter. Like what matters most right now? And what matters most forever? Fixate your mind there. Think about those things, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just. Again, a whole other sermon here, actually many sermons. About a thousand people are over halfway through a class right now on justice and race. We've seen justice defined biblically as that which is right for all people, as exemplified in God's character and expressed in God's word. So we want to fixate our minds on what is just and right and good for people according to God. Not according to our definition of right and good, according to God's definition of right and good. Fixate your mind on justice in these ways. Think, are these thoughts right, fair, impartial, just, for and about others? Fixate your mind on whatever, whatever is pure, what a great word. Just think pure motives, pure desires, pure words, pure truth, pure thoughts. This extends to so many facets of our thought life. Certainly sexual purity. Like flee any and all sexual thought outside of marriage between you and your spouse. Fixate your mind on sexual purity, on moral purity, on purity in worship, on purity in work. 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Oh, just read that word and think about the way the Bible describes love in 1 Corinthians 13. Think about, ponder, fixate your minds on what is, whatever is patient and kind and humble, not that which is envious or boastful or arrogant or rude or self-centered, irritable, resentful, have nothing to do with those thoughts. Fixate your mind on that which is lovely. Like just ask, is the thought I'm having lovely? That's a question I don't think we often ask, that we really need to ask. And then whatever is commendable or admirable, think about this one this way. Would you commend a particular thought to someone else in a way that they would be edified, helped, encouraged by thinking that same thought you're having? Like think about those kinds of things. Not the kinds of things that if someone else was in your mind, like they would be discouraged, maybe even disgusted by. Like no, fixate your mind on the things that if someone else was in your mind, they would be so encouraged. They would be so edified. They would be so helped to be thinking this way. Like think on things like that. If there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise. So this is what I love about this list. It's so comprehensive. Like you or I may be prone to think about justice, but not to think about purity. Or we, we may be prone to, to think about what we would say is lovely, but if it's not true, it's not lovely. Or we may be prone to think about what we deem just, but if it's not true, it's not just. But you put them all together, you have a picture of excellence. You have a picture of thoughts that are worthy of praise. And what a, what a phrase. Are my thoughts worthy of praise? praise before God and before others. Like fixate your mind on those kinds of things, which requires the discipline to stop and think about what you're thinking about. Like this is an incredibly important spiritual discipline that affects every facet of our lives. And obviously we could turn this around and say, and don't think about the opposite of these things. Like don't think about that which is untrue. Don't think about that which is dishonorable. Don't think about that which is unjust. Don't think about that which is impure, unlovely, or uncommendable. Choose to remove those thoughts from your mind. And this is what Martin Lloyd-Jones was saying. Like Christian faith is thinking. It's choosing to remove those thoughts from our mind, replacing them with that which is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. So that's how I want to close. I want to give you a homework assignment. And obviously, I realize, and you realize, you don't actually have to do this. But I want to encourage you to do this. Like if you want to experience joy, perpetual joy and unexplainable gentleness and surpassing peace in your life, then I want to encourage you just to ask and answer these six questions, like spend some time today or sometime this week and just think through these questions. So they all start with this phrase, in what specific ways, so think in your life, what specific ways do I need to replace and let's just let the word do the work. What specific ways do I need to replace untrue thoughts with true thoughts? I just ask that question. In what specific ways do I need to replace? What are some things that I am prone to think that are not true? And how can I replace that which is true? What is true, what's not true in the way I'm thinking right now? Similarly, in what specific ways do I need to replace dishonorable thoughts with honorable thoughts? So how are my thoughts prone to go down here when God has called me to think on a higher plane? So what are some specific ways that I need to replace 
dishonorable thoughts with honorable thoughts. And these might have overlap between them, but just think about them through the categories God has given us in his word. Next, in what specific ways do I need to replace unjust thoughts with just thoughts? This journey that a thousand people have been walking through on Sunday nights. Is, I know in my own heart, I trust in all of our hearts, it's like bringing to the surface ways that we are prone toward partiality, toward prejudice, toward pride, toward injustice even in our own thoughts. So how do we replace unjust thoughts, thoughts that are not right and just with just thoughts? So there's the first three and the last three. And what specific ways do I need to replace impure thoughts with pure thoughts? And just think, just take a catalog of your thought life and say, what is impure? Again, think sexual purity, moral purity. Think your motives, your desires, your aims. Like where are there impure thoughts that need to be replaced with pure thoughts? Where are there unlovely thoughts that need to be replaced with lovely thoughts? And just think, what would be categorized as unlovely in the way I think? And how can I replace that with lovely thoughts? And then the last question, what specific ways do I need to replace uncommendable thoughts with commendable thoughts? Just, just picture somebody else stepping into your mind. I, what would be discouraging, even maybe disgusting? What would, what would lead someone to worry, anxiety, distress, and replace those uncommendable thoughts? with that which if somebody was in your mind would be so good for them. Like if other people were thinking these thoughts, they would be edified, they would be built up, they would be encouraged, they'd be growing in their relationship with Christ. They'd be thriving in their relationship with Christ. Uncommendable thoughts with commendable thoughts. And I wanna encourage us in asking these questions specifically to ask God to transform us by the renewing of our minds that we might experience the joy and gentleness and peace that he's designed for us in Christ. Will you bow your heads with me? As you bow your heads in this room, wherever you're sitting at home, anywhere else right now, let me, let me ask that, that question I mentioned with Mr. Jerry and others who may not be followers of Jesus, like, have you trusted in Jesus to save you from your sin against God such that you know you have eternal life with God today and forever you know like that's what I was talking about with Jerry last night he had experienced an accident car accident that he should not have lived through I said Jerry God has given you another chance and do you know that if you were to die today, tomorrow, some sort of accident, do you know you have eternal life with God? And if the answer to that question is no, and today you want to trust in Jesus, I invite you just to pray in your heart right now and say, God, I know I've sinned against you. I've chosen my way over your way. Today, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I don't just believe that, but today I trust in you, Jesus, to save me from my sin, to restore me to relationship with God, that I might have life in you. As you express that to God, God desires to save you from your sin. He says, all who call on my name will be saved. And not only does he forgive you of your sin, but he puts his spirit inside you. He transforms you to where you're a new creation with a new heart and a new mind. And for all who've experienced that, oh God, I pray for those who are experiencing that for the first time today, for those who know you 
have trusted in you for many, many years. We pray that you would cause this mind to be in us, the mind of Christ. We pray that you would transform our lives by the renewing of our minds, that you would take every thought captive in us to obey Christ this week. Help us, God. Help us to replace thoughts that are not of you, from you, glorifying to you with thoughts that are of you and from you and glorifying to you. And no matter what we're walking through right now, please, please, please transform our minds, our thoughts, that we might experience the joy and gentleness and peace you've designed for us. Jesus, we praise you for making all these things possible. We praise you for the truth of your word. We praise you for the hope we have in you. We praise you for the joy and the peace and the gentleness that you make possible through what you did on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. We praise you that this joy and gentleness and peace are not just for now, but they are forever. That they are ours forever. All glory be to your name, Jesus. Transform our thoughts to be like your mind, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us today on Radical with David Platt. If you would like to watch this sermon, download the audio, or even download the free discussion questions that accompany every sermon, you can do that and more at Radical.net. You can also find resources on similar topics of today's sermons, such as battling sin, fear and anxiety, hope and perseverance, spiritual growth, and faith. And if you would like to learn more about McLean Bible Church, where David Platt is lead pastor, you can visit their website site mcleanbible.org or visit a location closest to you in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Well, that's all for today's episode. I'm your host, Thomas Bowen, and until next time, join us at Radical.net.